Ladies and gentlemen and Corner Kick fam, welcome to Pod Taken Quickly, the abbreviated version of our podcast where we bring you news stories that are just too juicy to miss. I am joined by Nathan Strauss. We are doing this in sort of a gorilla style fashion. Nathan doesn't even have a microphone. Uh, He's working off some iPhone headphones, but we felt like we had to come to you with our raw reactions of the stunning and sickening announcement of 12 clubs from across Spain, Italy, and England who have jointly announced the start of a European Super League, a long-feared European Super League. The news was broken by the Telegraph this morning. It was picked up by various outlets, most notably the New York Times and Rory Smith in the U.S. The league structure will look something like as we all probably assumed, it is going to be 12 founding clubs plus three clubs that they deem to be, you know, as a rolling admitted clubs. And each team will get something around $350 million and a share of $3.5 billion to kickstart this league, which is far greater than any of these clubs would have gotten for winning the Champions League. Nathan, we are Arsenal and Liverpool fans. We will get into our perspectives on the fan side of this, because obviously I think that is, you know, probably one of the most intriguing and impactful aspects of this. But go into further detail about your thoughts about this league and maybe, you know, some of the more stunning things that you read in this these joint press releases from UEFA, FIFA, all of the leagues, La Liga, Premier League, just your thoughts, your collective thoughts on this, a raw reaction, if you will. I'm going to start, I'll start off speaking as a fan before I sort of transition to a more neutral state. But like this morning, I, you know, woke up at around eight because I wake up according to when Arsenal play, as I have done for the majority of my life at this point. It's almost 15 years to the day um, since I started, you know, as an Arsenal supporter. But it's just such a massive slap in the face to, every Arsenal fan to every Spurs fan to, you know, every United and Liverpool fan city, I think is a little bit different in this case and Chelsea as well. Um, and actually Spurs as well, because they are clubs that have benefited greatly from a, a recent influx of money that sort of, you know, within this century, new money, um, new money yeah, teams, they're, they're new, they're new money teams and, and no disrespect. Cause I'm sure their fans are, are feeling it harder, but there is something about, uh, Arsenal, United, and Liverpool, which have also benefited from American ownership or part ownership, um, but were tremendously successful over the course of the last 120 years or so. For my first reaction is just disgust and betrayal. Like, it actually feels like a breakup of some sort, or like getting punched in the face by Jake Paul um, without the benefit of getting $500,000 in cash. So, it's just, it's really frustrating. Um, it makes me like, I, I'm quite clear that if this happens, I would not continue supporting Arsenal. It would be a break from what the club signifies to me. And I think, you know, just as Liverpool are more than the club Liverpool, they are sort of the embodiment of the history of the club. They are the embodiment of you'll never walk alone. Just as Spurs the working are, class, the working class Spurs are to dare is to do. They're from a, a Jewish neighborhood in North London. Arsenal also have a specific history that attracted me to their club as someone who didn't have the the privilege of growing up 
in a nation where you actually get to support a local team. And there's a reason that I'm an Arsenal fan and Arsenal means a lot to me in terms of a community and in terms of um, understanding this shared history. But, you know, the team motto, Victoria Concordia Crescent, victory through harmony, that I'm, I was literally four weeks away from getting tattooed on my left arm. It, that just would cease to exist um, whatsoever. And I would just know, I wouldn't give them a moment of my time. I wouldn't give them a moment of my money or attention. And I really hope that we actually see some hard power being put in. Oh, not hard power. Cause I'm not saying that. FIFA, <laughs> I'm not, I don't think FIFA has an army. Uh, I really hope we see some, I hope we see a hard stance taken by FIFA. <laughs> you wait for going to get the fatigues out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we use UN peacekeepers? Um, but yeah, that's sort of that's sort of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think before I go into my feelings on this, more on you know the broad structure of this, um, these clubs would form an independent league away from the Champions League. UEFA has already threatened to ban these clubs and their players, both from international competition and domestic competition. FIFA has threatened strong sanctions against these twelve clubs and any clubs that would join, and obviously this would disrupt the domestic structure and financial structure of each of these domestic leagues currently, La Liga, Syria, and the Premier League specifically, and particularly the English football pyramid, which I think is a, um, a statement structure throughout soccer globally that I think you know, these six clubs would be essentially uprooting for the benefit of finances. I think it's also important to say that clearly the losses due to the pandemic have accelerated this process in these talks through to, you know, Project Big Picture back last summer. And obviously those have accelerated to a point where we are now. So that is, you know, Nick, the host of Corner Kick. This is Nick, the Liverpool fan. I had the privilege of visiting Anfield in 2017. The first thing I noticed about going to Liverpool was how it was sort of the central or Anfield specifically was the central focal point of what was very clearly a working class middle to lower class neighborhood. It's very cramped in between streets and homes and small businesses. The people who work at Anfield are all locals. They all have very thick Liverpool accents. They're all from Liverpool they're all members of the club and they're all very passionate about the fact that this team, these supporters, these players, this coaching staff represents their club. Obviously, Nathan referenced the motto, you'll never walk alone. Today, it feels like we're going to walk with the money. That's what this feels like. It's a slap in the face to all those people in that neighborhood. It's a slap in the face to all the people who've ever sung, you'll never walk alone at Anfield and in supporters bars across the country or even just alone, you know, watching a game on your laptop as I have several times. This is not what Liverpool, specifically Liverpool, is about. And I also know this is not what Manchester United fans are about. This is not what Arsenal fans are about. This is not what Chelsea fans are about, nor Manchester City fans, nor Tottenham fans. You know, Nathan, you'll be the first to say that you want Arsenal to be successful in the Premier League and in Europe's premier competitions. And the sheer elitism and lack of any desire to have a genuine sporting impact on the game 
by these owners. And I want to make that very clear. This is very much an ownership-driven endeavor. It's just despicable. It's despicable. It leaves a sour taste in my mouth. It is completely antithetical to the romanticism of why people fall in love with this game in the first place. It just makes me think about like, you know, in 20, like how long have these talks been going on? Like when Leicester lifted the Premier League trophy at odds of 5,000 to one, like was that the moment where all these clubs are like, you know what? We're kind of getting sick and tired of not making enough money and not benefiting from being the top dogs in these leagues. I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know how long, because this, this, this definitely is not like an immediate thing that they've been talking about. Obviously, COVID has accelerated this, but this has been something that they've wanted. Florentino Perez, John Henry, the Glazers, Stan Kroenke. This is something that they've wanted for a long time. Andrea Agnelli, who we've discussed on this podcast beforehand. This is something that they've wanted for a long time. And they finally said, you know what, enough is enough. We're going to let greed and elitism consume, you know, the spirit of why we got into this business in the first place. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that this announcement is coming, you know, less than 24 hours before UEFA was scheduled to vote on the proposed Swiss model for the Champions League. No, not at all. Which, and there's a small part of me that makes that that makes me think that this is all sort of a bluster uh, bargaining ploy you know to to you know you know how like if you want a dog you should ask your parents for a, a horse first and then when they say no to that you can say well how about a dog you know it's sort of it's sort of like starting out with this most outrageous proposal and then you know all of the uefa execs including the people like agnelli who chair the board um can walk it back tomorrow and say well look it could have been so much worse but now we're gonna you know now we're going to come to the table and we're going to renegotiate. Yeah, exactly. And like, which is ridiculous because the Swiss format of the Champions League benefited these teams. Well, so that's one of the reasons that I think that it doesn't really make sense. Um, and I also think that, or I would hope that this is the most united that I have, no pun intended, this is the most united that I have ever seen Twitter on any, on any issue. Like this is and, and and like yes, this is this is like shitty because I would love to have seen a little bit more of this about racism or gender discrimination or any of the other far more pressing yes. social issues. Also, the I will say this, Nathan. The fact that they just threw in the idea of like maybe one day we'll draft a proposal for our own like women's super league. Wouldn't and that be off, awesome? First of all, also, the Women's Super League is actually the name of the top flight women's league in England already. So, like, honestly, they don't care. It right? was they the most disrespectful, pandering thing to women's soccer I have seen since, you know, not, not very long because I think women's <laughs> soccer is free, free, frequently disrespected. <laughs> but it was, it was quite, like, it, it showed you, you know, how they value women's football. Yeah, it's, it's such a, it's so embarrassing. And it's just like, the fact that they also are like employing the bot army as well to tweet out the same statement about how it will revolutionize soccer. Like the last company or or thing to use a bot army that tweeted out the same thing was Amazon in their anti-unionization effort a few weeks ago. So you know you're on the losing side of things when you have to deploy the Russian bots. And also the fact that in all of these club statements that we just got like an hour ago from you know Tottenham, Liverpool, United, Real Madrid. Uh, Atletico Madrid Barcelona there are no names and no statements from any figureheads of these clubs 
There's no statement from John Henry. There's no statement from Daniel Levy. There's no statement from Sheikh Mansour. There's no statement from like any of these people. The only people who have like actually been quoted on this are Florentino Perez, who's going to be the executive chair of the Super League, which is tells you everything you need to know <laughs> about you know what direction this thing was going to trend, and the Glazers, which also tells you a lot. Everyone else remained anonymous and said they would continue to discuss it with their shareholders, which also tells you exactly what you need to know, a purely a financial endeavor. And Bayern and Dortmund have both, because they're they're partially by law, you know, majority fan orders. Yeah, majority fan owned the 50 plus one rule. They both voted no. Um, and so they won't be joining. I do have a, a couple of questions. And a lot of them concern legal battles and sort of bat, uh, the questions about jurisdiction. So first of all, you know, Barcelona are also technically a fan-owned club. So did the socios get a vote in this or was it taken, you know, by Laporta? Was 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 this executive? Um, well, led? apparently also Bartomeu, because remember when Bartomeu resigned, he dropped this bombshell. He was like, oh, by the way, I've already discussed talks with the European Super League and everyone kind of laughed him off because he was you know headed out the door maybe we should have taken that a little bit more seriously in retrospect yeah but also I think someone just tweeted on the bright side Everton are about to finally qualify for the Champions League yeah um, but, we, we'll get we'll, but, we'll talk about how this affects yeah you know, the Everton's I, the West Brom Will Hattel the composer of our theme song West Brom fan not happy is there is there room on the on the Sam Allardyce bandwagon right now? Because uh, so I, I, the other thing that I think is really interesting that we haven't talked about yet is how UEFA and FIFA are going to punish these clubs. And keeping in mind that clubs, as you sort of hinted at earlier, clubs are made up of several different facets. So the most obvious, you have the executives and the owners and the shareholders, the ones who profit based off of the club but aren't necessarily involved in the day-to-day soccer operations then you have the sort of front and backroom staff you know the the marketing guys the the comms guys the technical and training staff and the managers then i think the most interesting thing to me is the players who are you know bound to the club by contracts but are not um permanent fixtures in the same way that um, another type of employee would be. And, you know, these are players that have guaranteed rights um, as laborers, as has been, you know, repeatedly affirmed in the court with stuff like the Bosman ruling. FIFA and UEFA are, you know, basically countering this proposal for a Super League by saying, look, if you play in this league as a club, your players will be ineligible to play in World Cups your clubs will be kicked out of the league system um, and you'll essentially be like the Notre Dame of, um, you know, of, of soccer. You'll have, you'll have no affiliation. And so it makes me really question what would, what this would mean for players, because if you're someone like Bukayo Saka, for example, who just signed a, a new long-term contract at Arsenal last year, someone who's made a couple of England caps, what if you say like, look, like, fuck this. I'm not, I don't, I want to play for England. Like I want to win a world cup. I want to win a champions league. Maybe you wouldn't be able to do that with Arsenal anyways, but like, I'm not, I, even if you're paying me $450,000 a week under new terms, I would much rather, you know, have the glory rather than the greed 
if you will. And so I wonder how it would possibly affect players who like would like would they be allowed to renounce their deals? Because like yeah, there's several the whole, legal because, things. Because, well, yeah, because part of the whole premise of this league, right? And they sort of say it up front in their like official release is that like oh you know we think there's a gap that's been widening for a long time it's been exacerbated by covid between the top clubs and the rest but like that's just full of shit like arsenal are in ninth place ac milan haven't won the league in what 12 years like tottenham are in seventh right tottenham are in seventh and got bounced from the europa league by a fucking like Juventus Juventus were knocked out of the Champions League by Porto, Leon, and Ajax. Like, yeah, there's several discrepancies here that contradict contradict Florentino Perez's allow me to read you Florentino Perez's statement. We will help football at every level and take it to its rightful place in the world. Football is the only global sport in the world with more than 4 billion fans and our responsibility as big clubs is to respond to their desires. I think our desire as fans is to have an equitable league <laughs> system <laughs> where, like, ba- based off of merit. That's the thing that's interesting, Nathan, about, like, the whole legality of this is that they're moving these player contracts into, like, a system that is totally, like, devoid of any, like, any merit at all. Like, by joining one of these, by joining one of these clubs now, you're joining an elite group that is, like, totally devoid of why you became a professional soccer player in the first place. I actually think it's a pretty good comparison to be made between this and uh, some of the less proud moments in, in wrestling history. It feels very much like WWE purchasing smaller, you know, Oh dude, it's totally Vince McMahon buying all the territories. Yeah, it's, it's abs- this is absolutely, you know, Monday Nitro. This is absolutely, you know, post wcw era wrestling where you have a consolidation of basically just a fuck ton of money coming in to wwe from the mcmahons and they basically can just buy up and retain all of the top talent in the world without really any serious competition or if you want a more modern comparison what nxt did to the uk independent scene like two years ago when they essentially like bought up all of the talent and ran the UK independence out of business. The difference is the difference is in the WWE you have talent making like five thousand dollars a week, whereas obviously you know this is this is a totally different scale. But I think part of the reason that it feels so bad is because the stated goals of the league are just so far like so far fetched from reality. So it feels like these clubs are saying, "Oh, like we want higher levels of competition," but you actually have higher levels of competition. Like you have fairy tales every single year, you know, whether it's Leicester, whether it's a team like West Ham this year, Monaco, like Monaco, every single team with the exception of basically Arsenal and United since the inception of the premier league have sucked at some point in time. And maybe this year counts as Arsenal sucking. I don't know. Um, United have sucked. United have sucked recently. Okay, I, United I do have... not. United do not deserve to be in this Super League based off of the merit of the past seven years of their play on the field and the way that they've run their club in the executive suite. They have only been they've only been in the Champions League a handful of times since Ferguson has left. Right, like Arsenal haven't won a league in seventeen years. We haven't been in a Champions League final since in sixteen years, uh, slightly more recently than that, and. 
you know, we've been a Europa League team for seven years. And so to like the even the idea of a big six. Um, and then now apparently Bayern, Leipzig, and Porto are the three teams that uh, are going to be added. Oh, Bayern. Oh, Bayern. Bayern, Bayern folded. Um, oh, so, Bayern. Like, I don't know. I have just like a couple of like pessimistic thoughts. And it's just like. I mean, this is this is just a it's 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 going to be unwatchable. Let's be honest. Right. Because I think, and this is what's crazy about this, and I think to bring it back to what you're saying about like players and coaching staff, coaching staff in particular, because one of the first things I thought of was Jurgen Klopp in 2019 when he was asked about the creation of a Super League. And I think, just to paraphrase him, he essentially said, who wants to watch us play Real Madrid 10 times a year? Like, who wants to see stuff like that? It'll essentially like clutter the football calendar. These teams have gone behind the backs of their coaching staffs and their players to make this deal. Like what are going to be the future? Like if Jurgen Klopp doesn't like this, is he going to walk? Is Mikel Arteta going to walk? Is like Pep Guardiola going to walk? Like I'm sure like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is like pretty much like a Ferguson purist of the game. Like I think he is probably not in favor of this. I don't know, you know, the stance of Barcelona's management, Zinedine Zidane, I'd imagine like they're pretty much in line with Laporta and Perez, but it just seems so antithetical to like, as you were saying, you know, the pure structure of these teams as they are and the people who, who, you know, we see day to day as the faces of them. Yeah. And also just like fans are like incredibly committed to teams. Like, you know, it affects our sleep schedule. It affects our mood um and and stuff like that i've i've you know gone to london to to catch a match at the emirates i'm you know potentially a future or i i was at one point potentially going to be a, an executive member of the boston arsenal supporters club i will say it's heartening to see that all of so i know the arsenal and spurs supporters trusts have already put out statements against it i just think that they would lose all of their fans like i don't i really cannot say that i've seen a single Arsenal fan so far speak up and say, you know what? I actually like this idea. And that is somewhat heartening that there isn't a serious rift. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's happening on the ground in England. You know, maybe there are people who are like, Oh, well, this could be a good thing, you know, and all that. But like, I haven't seen anyone. I've not seen that. Of this. And it, it does make me feel better to know that there will be millions of other Arsenal fans, like literally millions who are in the same boat because like, I, I like I say this like and I mean it. I would not follow Arsenal anymore. Like I would not be an Arsenal fan anymore. Like I, I guess I'd probably have to find a new team somehow, or maybe there'll be a Phoenix club, um, like like there was with MK Dons, like there was with Wimbledon, um, after they were moved to MK Dons and whatnot, or FC United of Manchester, for example. Yeah. But it's just super disappointing because it feels like 15 years of, of my life, you know, down the drain. Yeah, it's so spirit of Shankly and Spion Cop and some of the other prestigious Liverpool supporters groups have come out in opposition to this. And from a Liverpool perspective, it's interesting because Liverpool oftentimes go out of their way to be harmonious with the fan base. For example, take when they tried to, you know, raise ticket prices a few years ago and there was a, a fan boycott and then Liverpool quickly dropped that. But as we've seen, you know, FSG have taken more and more actions in the midst of this pandemic against the will of the fans and what the club stands for. And you can look at the, you know, when they tried to furlough a bunch of their staff during the pandemic. And it just seems like 
as FSG's grip on the club grows tighter and tighter and tighter, the spirit of what Liverpool is gets farther and farther away from the people who love the team and people who support the club, people who grew up you know, in and around Anfield and people like me who've been waking up at like 7 a.m. to watch their games every week. It's just sad because like I've said many times on this podcast, Liverpool means more to me than just sports. I value what the club stands for. I value the morality that it teaches its fans. And this just is so antithetical to, you know, everything we've been taught as Liverpool supporters, everything about like our supporters in in that like we preach integrity, accepted like acceptance of one another, like lifting each other up in like dark times. It's just so like you know, they've created the dark times now. They've gone out of their way to do this. It does feel like a betrayal in that sense. I guess if we're using the sort of breakup metaphor, this feels very much like being broken up with rather than breaking up oh, with yeah. someone. Which is... Which, which no, I think you're right, Nathan, because I that brings me to like my last point, is like, who's watching this? Right. And, and I, I get that they're going to get... pounds for tickets? I get that they're going to get a lot of money from JP Morgan to start this league, you know, around like 3.5 to $4 billion to, to kickstart this league. And every club is going to get 350 million. Sure. You have all of that money now or when you start this league. And it sounds like they want to start this league in August. Who's going to watch it? Who's watching this? What is the appeal of watching these teams play that used to be reserved for special occasions in a prestigious historic tournament like the Champions League that was based off of merit, what is going to be the optics and you know how are you going to persuade people to watch something that is so ingrained against the culture, the raw culture of the sport? Like I'm just so confused as to how they think this is going to be successful. Yeah, and also I think going back to what you said about how AC Milan don't deserve to be in on merit, um, the Swiss Ramble posted a picture uh, about the clubs that are potentially part of this league um, at looking at their operating costs over the last uh, the last reported year. Every single one of them is in the red. AC Milan are have run an operating cost that is greater than any other team. Um, there are 177 million pounds in the red in 2019-20. Dude, because they're coming out of the... Bur- they're having to pick up the pieces following the Berlusconi ownership. Yeah, like there's no the, reason why they by a predatory hedge fund too in the immediate aftermath of that. So it's just like thinking about it and actually talking it out with you has just made me realize that like I just wouldn't watch and it would be incredibly easy. And I'm not saying that like I think I have sort of mixed opinions right now about like oh do I become a a, a supporter of a different club like that seems like an extreme. You know, again, it would be like jumping into a relationship the day after you get broken up with. No, it'd be like getting on Tinder and like swiping through a bunch of teams. Right. And you know what happens when you swipe on Tinder too fast after a breakup? You end up, you know, doing something shitty that you regret. Like part of being a soccer fan is is understanding that the people who profit off of the game are very different from you. Like I'm not under any disillusion. I'm not under any you know, impression that Stan Kroenke on his $80 million ranch in like buttfuck montana is like you know somehow i don't think he cares and i don't think he's ever cared about my like my happiness or satisfaction but i wonder if he cares about a million people's happiness and satisfaction and i wonder what the 
soccer world will look like with millions of free agent fans who are full of distrust and contempt for this new league. Because in a weird way, I think it might actually kind of spark up an interest in sort of a more traditional football league system Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more organic. I think, you know, it's not as if this is the only example of how the game is quote unquote gone. Like the expansion of the Champions League to begin with and the sort of disparities of prize money and stuff that's come from that in the last 15 years has led to this. Like it's Arsene Wenger was talking about a European Super League in 2009, um, warning against it. Um, well, yeah, the so, foundation of the Premier League was basically built on the premise that, you know, the big teams wanted to split away from the English Football League and create their own, you know, league that so they can consolidate all of their finances. Like these are not foreign things that have happened i think what is sort of stunning is just the speed at which this has developed and i don't think you know with covid that should have been much of a surprise either and i think the other disgusting thing is that if you remember like the premise of project big picture back a few months ago was that they would create a european super league but also help out the rest of the football pyramid that was struggling due to covid you know they would float millions of pounds over to those clubs and i think now we can see that like that guise of helping out the little clubs was just a facade because there's no mention of that this is just a pure split from you know the leagues that these executives are thinking hold them down from making as much money as possible and i think the thing that's quite frankly insulting and we'll wrap up here in a, in a few minutes and I'll, i have one more question to ask you the thing that's insulting is like the fact that these clubs feel like they've been victimized by the wider game as a whole. You know, that Perez statement that I read up before is saying like, you know, we deserve to be like, we deserve to be representing the football fan and we haven't been given the opportunity to do so. And that is like, shows you how disconnected these teams truly are from the fans that support them, Nathan. Yeah. And, and soccer is nothing without fans. And we saw this during COVID when, fans or i say during covid we saw this in project restart when fans weren't allowed in the grounds um but a club is made up of fans and this move seems to have been the one thing that could unilaterally feel like or make every fan feel like their opinion was no longer uh warranted i, I don't understand how any of these clubs that have such rich you know storied occasionally fascist histories I don't understand what these clubs think is going to be their legacy going forward. Like they literally have just solidified themselves into a corporation today. Um, and that has, that will just end up turning me and, you know, you and, and legacies of, of fans to come um, in another direction. Yeah. People I think are going to remember this day for a long time, even if, you know, this all turns out to be, bluster for leverage in champions league negotiations i have one last question for you before we go we wake up tomorrow we wake up tuesday you know there was already rumors floating around that uefa has suspended the champions league in the europa league those are not true uefa is meeting right now as we speak to discuss what to do going forward what are your predictions for the rest of the week because obviously we have you know champions league games and europa league games with these clubs involved on the horizon and obviously the euros are this summer so how do you think the rest of just just this week let's say just this week how do you think the rest of this week pans out 
Yeah, I mean, well, for all we know, you know, the world will go up in flames by, like, Wednesday morning. Um, but uh, I think a couple of things. First of all, not necessarily a direct answer to your question, but I would say we should be very, very wary of who is reporting our news and how much faith we put in it. Um, because everyone has some, every media member, every sort of in the know has some sort of vested interest in this. Like, as much as I appreciate Fabrizio Romano and how he is generally like one of the defining voices of what exists and when, you can't deny the connection that he has with agents and how agents stand to benefit from something like this. Or, you know, how local papers would stand to, to lose from this. Or, Which, I'll say this, broadcasters like Sky Sports, who wanted to put Premier League games behind a 15-pound paywall uh, late last year, but just today, they released Gary Neville's, you know, rant, which I thought was great, by the way, but they released Gary Neville's rant free of charge, when usually that would have been behind a paywall. And obviously, they'll lose a lot of money by these Premier League clubs leaving the division. Yeah. So I think, first of all, be wary of, of who you are putting your stock in when it comes to reading the news. Like, this is obviously going to be a situation that cannot get resolved in one day or one week, especially as, you know, the six English clubs, um, all they might not even be English anymore because they uh, have renounced their uh, membership, apparently. So it, it, this is not something that, is going to get resolved um, in one or two days, in one or two, you know, all-night meetings in UEFA. But my prediction is this feels like they've crossed the line, I think. You know, I, I don't know if there's, if there's a way back for them, and I don't know what it would mean for the, you know, continuation of the Premier League season, frankly, because if Arsenal have announced their intent, if all these clubs have announced their intent to leave or that they've already departed, how can, they, how can their matches be officially sanctioned? You know, Arsenal play Everton at, at 3 p.m. on Friday. Like, that seems to me like a deadline. And there wasn't, there isn't European soccer this week, but Liverpool play Leeds, you know, Tomorrow. In, in, in 18 hours. Like, this is something interesting. And I think the last thing that I would say to be on the lookout for is how players respond to this. Because right now... You know, I was going to bring this up. Seen, yeah, I haven't seen any player make any statement about it and i wonder if you know first of all it's you know well past their bedtime i did see but, uh, <laughs> i the only thing i saw was that was related to players and maybe i just haven't sought this out enough was mo salah's agent coming out and condemning this essentially you know you can find rami abbas's tweet that's his agent's name somewhere floating around but he seemed pretty anti this it, so say you're a, a player from a country that isn't, you know, one of the traditional big nine. Like, say you're Mo Salah. Like, representing your country at a World Cup is, like, one of the... It's a genuine source of pride, you know? Like, there are very few teams that can that can realistically say, like, they will be at a World Cup year in, or four years in, four years out, you know? So, yeah, keep, keep, I would say keep an eye out for how players react to this because the game does not get played without players. And as much as I would love to believe that the fans are the most important aspect of a club, it ends up coming down to the product that's out on the pitch. And if players are against this idea, it's totally possible that this European Super League could end up looking like the Qatari Stars League. And, you know, you see a bunch of players who are willing to move to an unfamiliar 
league um, in exchange for lots of money or the Chinese Super League, for example. So well, look out for Mo Salah suiting up for Norwich City next season who <laughs> just achieved you know, promotion. Gonna, all of these teams are going to have, um, I was just thinking, all these teams are going to end up having the, like, you know how in, in, in PES they don't have, like, the license for Yeah, dude, teams, so <laughs> it's going to be like, that. We're going to get, like, London Cannons FC, like... Manchester Devils, <laughs> the Tottenham Cocks. Yeah, uh, um, Merseyside Reds and Merseyside Blues. So, Dude, this is such a disaster. Yeah, a shit fuck of a situation. This also, is so terrible. Like- that is going to be it for our discussion of the Super League, a very raw discussion of the Super League. We will be back later this week, joined by Caleb Rhodes for our usual show, where I think we will have more news to talk about, and we can address all of this in a bit more of a surgical fashion but here comes the money nathan i suppose who knows maybe this whole thing will end and the three of us can find a team to support together uh you know maybe we'll all become big forest green rovers potentially alas we will keep those discussions and that sort of idea in the back of our minds um for a little while longer but certainly a tragic and terrible day for soccer Hopefully this week brings less of the same and more of something dramatically different. Could be in for the legal fight of the century. UEFA's well, gonna send in, they're going to send in their <laughs> army of Gianni Infantino clones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Unleash the stormtroopers, guys. Like. This is unbel- unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they're going to descend from the Swiss Alps in like yeah, stormtrooper and snowtrooper gear. gear. <laughs> but yeah, this has been depressed kick. Yes, this is deflated. Kick. Deflated kick. Uh, and I guess we'll see you all next time. If there's still a sport to follow by then. Yeah. I guess we will. All right. We'll catch you guys later. Bye.